Amen. Good morning. Happy New Year. It's 2006. Everyone, just sort of shake your heads in amazement. It's 2006. I know you're probably thinking what I'm thinking. Where are the flying cars? Where are the robots that clean my room? All we have so far is a robot that vacuums. Pitiful. Sad and pitiful. Bring on the flying cars, I say. Now, I know what else you're thinking, too. You're thinking, now, wait a minute. In Transformers, the movie, the events that transpired there happened in 2005. It's gone now. And nothing like that happened. Those of you who were not born in 19 or were not around in 1985 and don't remember Transformers, the movie, I, I'm sad for you. You should check it out sometime. Uh, it's the new year. It's a new day and a new year. And we are going to be talking about newness and new stuff. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love new stuff. Uh, I love getting new stuff, especially when the old stuff is broken and worn out. Not even new stuff, but just new things. Uh, I love it when new things happen. For instance, uh, many of you know Andrew McQuistion. Andrew is getting married today. This is a new thing. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, what's that? You got married yesterday? I thought it was today. Andrew McQuistion got married yesterday. So Andrew is now a married man. This is a new thing, an exciting thing. Um, I love... Uh, new things that happen in our life. My wife and I just got, uh, right for Thanksgiving, we got a new puppy. Uh, it's a, a little, yeah, it's a little white lab. Her name is Bernice. It's a new thing. It's a wonderful thing. N- new puppies turn people into blathering idiots. We're like, <laughs> to a dog. She doesn't care. She just wants to eat. Um, when Bernice gets house trained, this will be a new thing and an exciting thing. A thing I'm looking forward to. Uh, Bernice pooped in the house this morning. But she's a, a new puppy, and puppies do that. Um, one of my favorite things in the world, uh, and you're, you may think this is strange, one of my favorite things in the world is getting new socks. And every Christmas, uh, Mom gets me new socks. And I, it's, it's like I won a million dollars. I just love it. Uh, the reason I like new socks is because there's nothing like throwing away a pair of worn-out old ratty socks that won't stay up on your, on your calves anymore and putting on a new pair of socks. And you're like, ah, now I feel ready to face the day. Um, I love that kind of stuff. We as humans need new stuff. Uh, we need newness in our lives. We can't, we're not built for drudgery. We're not built for just plugging away at the same old thing day after day after day. We need new things. Uh, God knows this. Uh, and so God has built newness into the world that he created. Uh, every day you get a new sunrise. Every day you get a new day. Every day you get a new sunset. And every 365 days, 366 some years, you get a new year. Uh, God built newness into our lives. Uh, he did this, I think, for a couple of reasons. You know you need new stuff when your old stuff is broken and worn out. Uh, and God knows that we live in a broken uh, and kind of worn out world. And so he builds newness into our world. Uh, I like the illustration here. You got come spring, there'll be new plants springing up, new flowers, things that were not there before. God has built that into our world. And it just shows that God loves giving us new stuff. Um, and as Christians, we uh, are blessed to have some very specific new things that God has given us. Uh, as Christians, we have a new hope. We're going to talk about that hope. Uh, we're also we're going to talk about two things. God gives us a new hope. We'll focus on that first. Um, our new hope is that this world isn't all that there is. This broken, worn out world is not the only world that there will be. Uh, in fact, Revelation 21 uh, promises us, uh, God says at the very end of the Bible, uh, behold, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth uh, in Revelation 21, 1. And then in Revelation 21, 5, the one who sits on the throne, that would be God says, I am making all things new. 
The hope that we have as Christians is that everything that we see in this world that's broken and wrong and worn out uh, won't last. That God is going to make that new. That God is going to restore what's broken and that God will make it right. Um, You can look back on the year 2005 and see a lot of broken things. Uh, I think about Hurricane Katrina uh, and, and all the disaster that happened there. That's a sign that we live in a broken world. We live in a world that doesn't function the way that God would desire it to function. But don't worry, God says uh, in, in the Bible, I'm going to make all things new. I'm, I'm going to make a world where you don't have to worry about things like that. I'm going to make a world uh, that's perfect. He plans to replace our broken world with a new one. Um, now, there's two different ways that you can approach this new hope that God gives us, the hope for a new life. One is you can think, now, wait a second. The Bible was written a long time ago. Uh, the people in the Bible, if you read the Bible, you kind of get the impression that those who wrote the Bible were expecting Jesus to return any time now. And that was 2,000 years ago. So they were expecting that. Um, and occasionally you hear that Jesus could come back any time. And you hear that. You'll hear that throughout your life. That happened a lot in 1999. People were expecting for some reason that the year 2000 would somehow be the year. Like God... That God uh, likes round numbers or something and then figured the year 2000 would be the day. Um, but it's six years later or five years later uh, and it still hasn't happened yet. And so there's an error that you can get into in expecting this new hope. It's to believe that, yeah, that's nice, but not really, really believe that it's going to happen or really be- let it affect you in some way. Um, it's just to go on with your life, not really expecting that what God has promised will come true. That's one error. Uh, the second error is to become overly focused on that uh, and to say, well, you know, we're all bound for heaven anyway. And so it doesn't really matter what I do on earth, either for or against God. And just let that go. Those two different errors that you can that you can can have in thinking about this new hope. Either one either not being not caring about it at all, not being concerned about it at all. Or number two, caring about it, but not in the right way. You see, God gives us this hope, but he doesn't give us this hope just so we can sit back and wait for it. God gives us this hope for a reason. And it goes, uh, it goes well with something else new that God gives us as Christians. Um, and this is actually, well, let me backtrack a little bit. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Here's what Jesus told his disciples when they asked him, Jesus, what is going to be the sign of your return? How are we going to know? And Jesus told them some, some very general things, some kind of vague things. But the really important thing that Jesus wanted them to know was to be ready. Jesus told his disciples when they asked about the kingdom coming, be alert, be ready. Let me read to you from Mark chapter 13, which is where the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, how are we going to know when the kingdom comes? Uh, Let us. What's the timetable? What kind of time frame are we working with, Jesus? Uh, The disciples ask. And Jesus uh, sort of beats around the bush a little bit. He tells them some general things. There'll be wars. There'll be rumors of wars. There'll be famines. There'll be earthquakes. Those things will happen. And he says, don't worry about those things. Here's the important part. Matthew chapter 13, verse 33 says, take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time is. It's like a man away on a journey who, upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigned to each one his task and commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Uh... In four verses, Jesus says, be on the alert four times. You kind of get the impression that he wants people to be on the alert uh, for the coming of the kingdom of God. Well, what does that mean? How do we do that? How do we live that? Um, I'll tell you the wrong way. Jesus also says a couple of verses earlier that uh, he will not come when we expect him. Now, Alex and I went to high school together, and we used to think 
that that meant if somebody was at every time expecting Jesus to return, that he wouldn't return because he has to return when no one's expecting it. Uh, we were young and foolish then. Uh, that just means <laughs> that he will come when he wants to come. He'll come when he's ready and not before. Period. The next big circle date on God's calendar is Jesus comes back. Uh, but we don't know when that date is. God has, you know, God has a really big calendar and he's circled important dates on it. Create stuff. Check. Uh, send Jesus. Check. Uh, Jesus comes back. That's the next big circle date. We don't know how far away down the calendar that is. But I promise you, the Bible says that's the next big thing on God's to do list. Create a new heaven and a new earth. Send Jesus back. So the question is, how do we as Christians live with this new hope? What do we do? Uh, and that goes with the next new thing that God has given us. God gives us a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. The new things have come. Think about that. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. A completely new thing. A completely new person. I know what you're probably thinking. You're scratching your head and saying, Well, when I became a Christian, I certainly looked the same. Uh, Hopefully, most of us have been around long enough to know that just because you don't see things doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't there. Uh, just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not true. Uh, because we're not just because we're not new creations physically when we become Christians doesn't mean that we don't become new creations spiritually. Uh, when you become in Christ, when you become a Christian, it's like it really is. God sees you as a completely new new thing, a completely new person, a completely new entity from what you were before. Um, I was trying to come up with a way to illustrate this. Uh, and the Bible helps, helps with this. Uh, the new life involves us. Uh, the Bible calls it putting on Christ. Uh, just like you would put on new socks uh, and you can show them off and say, hey, I've got on new socks. And everybody can see that. You can put on Christ. Um, so that's part of it. We'll fill in the second. And, and becoming his ambassadors. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. First of all, putting on Christ. Uh, Romans thirteen fourteen. Paul says, put on Christ. Like you're putting on a new cloak. Uh, like you're putting on a new coat or something. Uh, And everybody can tell that it's new. Um, When you become a Christian, you're now not just you. You are you with Christ. I was trying to figure out a way to illustrate this. And I thought about Kleenex. Um, There are all different kinds of Kleenex. There's the the really cheap stuff that you can get uh, that scratches your nose all the time. And then there's the really good stuff. uh, The expensive stuff, which has with aloe. Uh, Kleenex with aloe is a blessing. I love it. Um, you can't separate the aloe from the Kleenex. The, the aloe is in there. Uh, it's, it's one thing now. Kleenex with aloe. Uh, when you become a Christian, you are no longer just you. You are you with Christ. What's your name, ma'am? Lisa. Lisa, are you a Christian? Okay, good. Uh, just so I check. When you became a Christian, you are now no longer just Lisa. You are Lisa with Christ. You're, you are one entity. Um, anybody here who's a believer, you're not just you anymore. Congratulations. You are you with Christ. When God looks at you, he doesn't see just you. He sees you and Jesus together. Uh, It's kind of amazing. It's a new thing. Uh, You are. And that's what makes you a new creature is you're not just by yourself. You are you with Christ like Kleenex is with aloe. You can't you can't wring out the Kleenex and get the aloe out. You can't wring you out uh, and get the Jesus out of you. You are together. Um, That doesn't mean that we always necessarily act like it, but it's it doesn't make it not true. Uh, That we are always, when we are Christians, with Christ. So that's one way that we are to be ready, to be alert. Uh, We are to put on Christ 
and live like what we are. You're a new creation. Act like it. You are with Jesus. Act like it. Uh, I love what you said about practicing kindness. Uh, It's not just something that you snap your fingers and say, I'm a new creation. I'm going to live like it all the time. Uh, It's a thing that you practice. You practice putting on Christ. You practice uh, just getting into the mindset of whenever um, something really ticks you off or something really uh, faces you with a moral problem and you say, you know, I'm, I'm not just me in this situation. It's me with Christ. What do what does that mean for me? What does that mean? Uh, how do I live this now that I'm not just me myself? I'm also me with Christ. What does that mean for this situation? And it's a thing that you have to practice and it's a thing that you uh, that you have to pray for and that you have to just get in your head. Um, that's what putting on Christ is to me. That's the, the best way I could think of to illustrate it. Uh, also, add on there, another way to be alert, another way to be ready of the way that we live out the new life so that we can be ready for the new hope is we are ambassadors for Christ. Second uh, Corinthians. I'll read to you from there. Second Corinthians five eighteen through 20. And Paul, bless his heart, uses a lot of fancy terms, but we'll break them down uh, and get down to the good stuff. If I can find the right, there we go. 2 Corinthians 18. All these things he's talking about, uh, one verse before, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, the new things have come. Verse 18. All these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Reconciliation is an important word there. First of all, reconciliation just means making peace with. Uh, it means that we have made peace with God. Because we are with Christ, when God looks at us, he doesn't just see the old us. He, he doesn't see the old us at all, actually. He sees the new us. He sees us with Christ. Make sure that's all right. Um, that, that's reconciliation. We are at peace with God because God sees us with Christ. Uh, He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That means that once we are with Christ, uh, we have the same responsibility uh, to do the work that Christ started, which is bringing people to peace with God. Uh, An ambassador, verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Because we share in that responsibility, uh, it's like we work for God. An ambassador is somebody who works for a country but lives in another country. So, for example, if I move to, I don't know, Ethiopia, but I work for the United States government, I would be an ambassador for the United States. I would live in Ethiopia. Uh, I would put out good words for the United States. I would try to, to, uh, have, to make sure there was a good relationship between the country of Ethiopia and the country of the United States. Because I am, I am an ambassador for Christ, I belong to a new world, a world that hasn't quite been created yet. I belong to the world of the new hope. I belong to a new earth. Uh, I'm a citizen of heaven. Um, I'm a dual citizen. I'm also a citizen of the United States, but my real home is in heaven. Uh, all of us who are Christians, we're just visiting. Uh, all the stuff you have here, it's just temporary stuff. Uh, it's like an ambassador from the United States living in Ethiopia, and he would live in a house there, and that would be his Ethiopian house. But it's not his home. It's just a place he's, it's his workplace. This is our workplace. Uh, we are ambassadors of heaven uh, in this country. Let me add a word to that. Um, we are ambassadors to this world. This world, we talked about, is a little bit broken, and a little bit worn down. Uh, this world, right now, the Bible says, uh, is, in a lot of ways, under the power of Satan. But 
Here's an important thing. The Christian religion is not a dualistic religion. A dualistic religion is a religion that says there's a good power and a bad power, and they're about equal, and they're fighting it out, and we hope that the right side wins. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not God and the devil fighting it out, because they're not equals. Um, it's not like the United States and Germany in World War II. It's more like, you guys remember uh, the wackos from a couple of years ago uh, called the Republic of Texas? Uh, they said that Texas never really joined the United States, that Texas was always its own country, and they were going to make sure that it was that way again. Y'all remember those guys? Uh, they lived out in West Texas for a while. They had a little mobile home out there. They started stockpiling guns, and that's when the United States said, okay, you guys are crazy. And they, and they went in and took their guns away and, and threw the leader in jail. Now, those guys are still around and still say that, no, 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 Texas is not part of the United States. Texas is its own country. That's more like the situation with God and the devil. The devil has, has said, no, 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 God. Earth is not yours. Earth is mine. It's under my control. Uh, and I'm going to keep it that way. And God says, oh, <laughs> you just don't even realize what you've gotten yourself into. Uh, we are ambassadors for God. Uh, it would be like you were a regular Texan, a regular citizen of the United States, and for some crazy reason you found yourself living with these uh, Republic of Texas nut jobs. You're like, look. <laughs> This is not all there is. There's a much better country out there <laughs> than, what, than your mobile home here filled with guns. Uh, there's a much better place. And you, you, should become, you should really consider becoming a part of it. That's what the Ministry of Reconciliation is. It's us going to people who don't realize that there's more out there. There's a new hope and a new life that they can have. There's a better country uh, to be a part of than this, than this wacky country that does, that's not even really a country. Uh, that's the Ministry of Reconciliation. That's making peace between God and people. Uh, as ambassadors for Christ, that's our responsibility. Um, so, we have a new hope, a new country. We have a new life. It means that we are with Christ. And because we are with Christ, we have a responsibility to bring other people into this new life and to bring other people into this new hope. But, uh, just because we have these new things doesn't mean that we can forget the past. It's because of what Jesus did at the cross. It's because of his life and his death and his resurrection that we have any of these things. It's because of that that we have a new hope. It's because of that that we have a new life. And isn't that just like God, to cover all the bases? In the past, you have God who has done something completely new and unique. Uh, he sent his son. He was both God and man. He died for our sins. Nobody had ever done anything like that before, and nobody will ever do anything like that again. God did a new thing in the past. Because God did a new thing in the past, we can have a new life in the present. Um, we are with Christ now. The Holy Spirit of God is in you, the Bible says, right now. Because we have a new life in the present, we, have, we can have a hope for the future where everything is new. Bless God, he has covered all the bases. Um, my prayer for you this morning is that you take this new day, uh, you take this new year, and that this new year, practice putting on Christ, practice living that new life, practice being an ambassador for Christ. Look and, and see and find people that don't know that there's, be, there's better things out there. Uh, there's a, a better country to belong to, uh, a better citizenship to have. There's a better life that you can live. Wouldn't you rather be seen with Christ than seen by yourself? Wouldn't you rather be judged by God uh, based on you and Christ together uh, than you would alone? Uh, that's the new life. Uh, I love that that's the name of your church. Uh, that's what it's all about, is remembering what God has done in the past, what we have now in the future, and the hope that we have for the present. Amen. That's all I have to say to you today. 
Uh, I know that everybody was probably up really late last night, so I wanted to give you a little, uh, a little bit of a brief message. But um, I'm going to close this in prayer. We're going to take a minute. Um, I'm going to kind of lead in a time of silent prayer uh, and just mention some things that you may, may want to pray for, some things to think about.